welcome, welcome everyone. It's so good to see you all here tonight and thank you for joining us. Thank you also for your kind comments in the chat and for holding us up in prayer. You encourage us so much. Coming up in a minute is Tanya Gaw, the founder of Action for Canada. She's going to share information and updates with us, and then she'll be joined by our special guest, Alan Strudwick, and he'll be speaking about the dangers of the New Age movement, which he was involved with for 20 years. Following his presentation, you'll have an opportunity to ask Alan questions during the Q&A time. If you want to rewatch tonight's show or share it with your friends, be sure to go to the Action for Canada website. I also want to mention that previous recordings showcasing a variety of guests and topics are available for you to watch on our website. For those of you who've been coming to the Empower Hour for a while now, you know that I love to share a Bible verse with you, and it's my prayer that this encourages you. This past week, the verses about spiritual warfare from Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 18, keep coming to mind. Now, I'm not going to read them all, but I do want to bring your attention to verse 10, which says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. My friends, it's so good for us to remind each other that God is in control and he is victorious. Please know that he loves you and that you can give him all your worries and cares. Action for Canada is a grassroots movement reaching out to millions of Canadians and uniting our voices in opposition to the destructive policies tearing at the fabric of our nation. Through Call to Action campaigns, we equip citizens to take action. We are committed to protecting faith, family, and freedom. For some of you here tonight, this is your very first time attending the Empower Hour, and it's always my pleasure to introduce you to Tanya Gaw, the founder of Action for Canada. For the past six and a half years, Tanya has been working to bring awareness to government policies that are damaging our beloved country. And with Action for Canada, she has created an amazing campaign to bring truth to our nation. Because of Tanya's great love for our country, she's always willing to share information regarding our rights and freedoms, and her goal is to teach and empower each and every Canadian to learn how to stand up for those rights. Tanya's faith in God gives her the courage and strength to take a stand as she helps and inspires hurting people all across the nation. Tanya, over to you. Thank you, Heather. It's always such a treat. I look at your presentation that you give every week and you have a gift, my friend. Um, you keep it updated, you keep us updated, and I know that everybody has uh, many comments in the chat saying how much they appreciate you. You are a woman of grace and uh, of love. So thank you so much for being part of our team. Okay, everyone, I just want to welcome you tonight. This is a huge topic uh, that we've decided to uh, take on. Everyone, what I want to do tonight is I want to start off with a couple of good news reports in case you haven't heard them. Uh, you know, it's been very hard in the last two years uh, as the government has pressed down and uh, just with so much tyranny and uh, you know, interfered and infringed upon the rights of so many Canadians. One of, in one of those ways they've done it is by forcing people to either take the vaccination or be put on unpaid leave. 
even put on unpaid leave without the benefit of having EI. And in Richmond, BC, we have had a huge win where the union actually has been working on behalf of the Richmond city workers and they have won the case wherein the city has to pay back the unvaccinated going back to February. And not only that, they also have to uh, give them the money back for their vacation pay. Uh, isn't that just amazing? I want you to really celebrate this one. We're going to put this report on the Workers Unite page uh, because I think that anybody who is going through this with their employer should be providing them um, information and evidence that it is not going to bode well for them in the end so that they should just uh, stop with the restrictions. They do not have the authority to mandate vaccinations for staff. And I use that term vaccination because that's what the world is using. But we know that this is not a vaccination. And it is indeed, you know, the other day I called it an experimental in, uh, injection again, which is what I had been referring to it. But what I also realized, it was like I had this epiphany. And it's like, it's not an experimental injection either. They've known exactly what this injection would do. They knew that it would harm people. They knew that it would kill people. Anyways, back to the celebration. That is terrific news in the in the city of Richmond. Um, in the one video at the opening at the top of the hour, I was saying that, you know, it is not that this is over. It is that the government has put a pause on it and that in the fall, they're already talking uh, about another variant. Uh, they'll be bringing in the lockdowns and further measures, but it will be always with the intention to bring in a social credit system. So it is very, very important and vital that everybody possible uh, push back against their employers and use the opportunity in the next few months to hold them to account to the highest degree so that they will not comply with the government come the fall and they will understand what the rule of law has to say about putting employees on unpaid leave and taking away their livelihood. It's criminal. The other good news report is the Delta Hospice Society. They won in, in the vote last week on Saturday. The Delta, Delta Hospice Society has been fighting for years against uh, euthanasia being forced into their facility by the BC government. Uh, they had an incredible palliative care uh, facility and the BC government decided that they needed to provide euthanasia, even though a euthanasia clinic was right across the street. So they infiltrated um, and then they, the members had a vote. They took over the Delta Hospice Society as far as voting and they voted in euthanasia. But Angelina Ireland, she is a true hero in this country if people understood how important this topic was and Angelina persisted in fighting against uh, what the government was trying to uh, impose on people. People want to go to palliative care because they want uh, the end of life care that uh, you know doesn't kill them in their sleep that provides them actual medication to help them cope with whatever pain but to die naturally and I think everybody should have you know, that opportunity to decide what care, kind of care that they have. I don't think euthanasia honestly should be an option. Anyways, this was um, humongous because um, as I've mentioned, I've been fighting for years against all kinds of bad legislation and euthanasia was one of them for the fact that the Trudeau government wasn't bringing it in. 
just to help people in stage four cancer uh, with stage four cancer who were you know suffering excruciating pain and i know people have watched their loved ones go through this he was bringing it in because they expanded it like everything they do anytime something is passed by uh the trudeau government there is always something further that they want out of that and it was to expand euthanasia to the mentally ill to the depressed uh, you know, to those who were suffering disabilities uh, that were manageable. Many people with disabilities are such a gift to society. And uh, the Trudeau government is definitely one of a system of death. And we've seen that as we have gone through the last two years of COVID as well. All right, so what I'm gonna get into now is we decided to um, address uh, the One World Religions and including the New Age Movement for a very specific reason. And uh, we have discovered that the New Age Movement has ties to uh, the World Economic Forum and other things. So our special guest tonight will be Alan, of course. We're gonna be answering all kinds of good questions. We encourage you to watch his video as he reveals some of the things that he discovered as one of the top leaders of, of the New Age movement through the 60s and through into the 80s, as well as another testimony of his on this page. Um, I also discovered in the research this last week that this guru, uh, Sengura, as well, uh, is fully involved with the World Economic Forum and the One World uh, Movement with the United Nations. This video is one in which he is pushing the vaccination and um, shaming others that wouldn't take it. Uh, anyways, then we go on to the Pope and his ties to the One World Religion and New World Order as well. And uh, we just encourage you, like I say again, to, to go in and research this page. I, and I just wanted to provide a little evidence of some things that have unfolded this week to help people understand that the reason they are uh, uh, trying to eliminate Christianity and actually every single religion around the world is because the New World Order wants a one world religion. And, and there is nothing religious uh, you know, about this. It is going to be based on uh, their philosophies. And of course, the bottom line will be tyranny. Uh, one of the things as well that is of extreme concern I'm really struggling with this today, you guys. I'm sorry as I'm trying to bring up the screens and speak at the same time. This is in Vancouver. Uh, one of our uh, members of Action for Canada sent me an image of this the other day. So we're talking about this one world religion and people can say, why are you talking about the new age? We're going to get to that and, and we'll explain it. But here is a facility in Vancouver, and you can see that it's unity. Uh, you, there's a lot of groups starting to pop up regarding unity as well. But on the sign, it goes um, spiritual, but not religious. So again, like I say, on the, I don't know that you can see the screen that I've changed to. It goes, discover the power within you, find in, inspiration, meaning, and serenity. And it's got a youth movement, one God, many paths, new wave spirituality.
In another link, there is one to an organization called World Council of Churches. You can't see these links, but I'm just going to uh, mention them. The man that runs this and is the director is Peter Prov. And when you look up the member churches, it says the WCC is a fellowship of 352 member churches who together represent more than half a billion Christians around the world. And I would have to say, no, sir, they don't represent a billion Christians if the One World Council is involved with the One World Religion. How I had really wanted to start with this was just by thanking all of you for attending, attending the Power Hour tonight and being willing and open to a conversation about the New Age movement's ties to the globalist agenda. We understand that at first it can be overwhelming to discover something that has been so broadly accepted and that may have another side to it. Much like the past two years and the government's implementation of COVID measures, masks, the experimental injections referred to as vaccines, the majority of citizens willfully and blindly accepted the COVID measures because they had no idea they were being deceived. They had no idea about a global agenda to take over the world and control citizens, land, their finances, their resources, and more. Action for Canada would have been doing a great disservice to our members if we chose to remain silent out of fear of public backlash on this particular issue. We have been committed to speaking the truth even when it's unpopular or the message is difficult to receive. Our organization supports the fact that Canada is founded on Judeo-Christian biblical values and principles and that it is the core to our freedoms and democracy. These principles are embedded in our Magna Carta, forming our laws and our values, and it is a system of governance that sets us apart from totalitarian extremists and communist regimes. It gives you, it gives people across Canada the freedom to believe or not to believe and please understand that you have the freedom in Canada not to believe without fear of oppression, persecution, and even death. So a good question to ask is, would you rather live in a country founded on these values or one on communism, extremism, or totalitarianism? Citizens living in other countries founded on any other system of governance or religious belief are living under totalitarian regimes. Good people live there longing to be free. I have a question. If the world accepts that the 57 Muslim Islamic majority countries are founded on the Quran and Islam, then why are they so offended when we talk about the history of the Western world founded on biblical principles? These are good principles like not committing murder, stealing or committing adultery, treating the elderly with respect and loving our neighbor. As you are aware the, of the, as you are, or so, sorry, I meant to ask a question like, are you aware of the horrific persecution of Christians and minority groups in Islamic countries, in Pakistan, India, North Korea, and China? You can be on a bus in India as a woman, and you could find yourself in the middle of a mob being raped. You will find yourself in Pakistan as a Christian being beheaded and your home being set on fire. The mainstream media doesn't report this, but there is much news to be had. 
The Canadian government has spent decades incrementally and patiently chipping away at our sovereignty so that they could replace it with an oppressive regime. They at first said we would no longer be a bicultural nation, but a multicultural nation, which was meant to eventually cause division and undermine our foundation as people immigrating to Canada were no longer expected to integrate and assimilate. Then the government labeled Canada as a secular nation, but secularism is one small step away from tyranny. And the next step was when Justin Trudeau first got into office and proclaimed that Canada was a post-national state with no core identity. Anyone knows that a nation cannot exist without having, a, having core values. And so Justin Trudeau has spent his time in office ushering in at first glance, some would call it communism or fascism, but in fact, it is the new world order. A key component to the existence of the new world order is to eliminate Christianity and all other religions, thus the rise of a one world religion. So again, my question to you is, would you rather live in a nation founded on biblical principles or live under the tyrannical rule of globalists and a new world order. If we are censored and demonized for defending our heritage, then Canada will no longer be different than any other nation governed by tyrants. And we will no longer be a beacon of hope for those fleeing persecution. I hope that this clarifies Action for Canada's position on why we felt a need to address the issue of the New Age movement's ties to the United Nations, World Economic Forum, New World Order, and the growing push for a one world religion. It is critical that we unite as Canadians in embracing what our founding fathers gifted us with, regardless of your own personal core beliefs. So on that, Alan, I would like to, Heather, would you actually come on for a moment? Have you prepared something to just bring Alan on and introduce who he is? So thank you. <laughs> and thank you, Tanya. Joining us tonight for the very first time on the Empower Hour is Alan Strudwick. As a young person, Alan became involved with the New Age movement and eventually became an influential leader and sought after speaker. During his time in this movement, he was invited to secret meetings with gurus and prominent leaders, and it was there that he became aware of the strategies to create a one world religion in alignment with the one world order. Alan had a life-changing encounter with God, and as a result, he became a disciple of Jesus. His purpose now is to win souls for God so their lives will be transformed through the power of the gospel. Having been delivered from the New Age movement, Alan has the distinct advantage of being able to speak intelligently and persuasively about the deception and evil of this movement and of the devil's bid to infiltrate the Christian church. Alan is an author and, as you will soon discover, a passionate follower of Jesus. Alan, welcome to the Empower Hour. We are so excited that you can join us today. Thank you. Such an honor to be on here. 
Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Heather. And um, Alan, I'm excited uh, about getting into this. We're going to give you the floor, share your testimony, share whatever's on your heart, and then we're going to open it up to a time of Q&A. And I have a feeling that Action for Canada, the Empower Hour is going to go a little later tonight. My intro was a little longer than usual, some with a little bit of tech delays, but this is family. We're amongst friends. And so I just welcome you and hand it over to you now. Thank you. Thank you very much. The, the first thing I'd like to thank is all the people that are on here and listening. And, uh, and what I can ask from my heart is that if you, because um, uh, there's a lot of people who have been saying different things about me and all sorts of things are from judgmental to this to that. And that's fine. Everyone is entitled to their opinion. I ask that you just with your heart, listen to my story. And first of all, um, the reason that I know that Tanya and I were brought together is I when I was younger, I was groomed and I actually worked for the globalists. So I understand all the deception and everything that's coming down from the global leaders in the, you know, in the world. Um, and I'm going to share a little bit of that. And I'm going to share my life story of how I got there. To me, that's more important for you to understand that. The other thing is that um, some people go, well, who are you? You don't even sound Canadian. That's true. I have a different accent. But uh, I was born in Toronto, born and raised in Canada. My father uh, was a, a part of the Canadian Air Force, and I was a typical Air Force brat going from base to base to base. And, and um, so that's how I grew up. But then I spent quite a lot of time in Australia. My father took our family there to, um, you know, to make his fortune. Uh, of, and that's what, why I ended up down in Australia and with this accent. But let me just describe a little bit of my life story, because I have some people say, but aren't the globalists involved in every religion and, and everything? And isn't there evil on, on a lot of these things? And, and to answer that question, yes, you're right. It is. But my, I wasn't in those other religions. And I just need to share my life story. And I'm sure that you'll be able to get something from it. That's my aim. That's my prayer. That, and my heartfelt intention is that you at least can um, you know, find out from my life story uh, what, what happened and, and, and things to do with deception, et cetera. So, uh, when I was um, 13 years old, I moved in with my father after a, a very bad divorce that he had. And um, my father was, and his new wife were totally into back then, which was new age, spiritualism, different occults, psychic things, um, you know, and anything to do with um, uh, the new age or spiritualism. My father was 100% into it. Um, he had made his money, so he would fly gurus from other nations and other teachers and leaders. And they would come and do conferences that he would sponsor. But then what he would do is he would then bring them home. And I would get to sit at guru feet and, you know, in my, my family living room. And, um, and I got quite intrigued and, if anything, drawn to the spiritual side. Because I'd never seen or heard anyone ever talk about spiritual things. I'd never, just so they know, I'd never knew nothing of Christianity. I'd never been to a church. I'd never read a Bible. No one had ever talked to me about other religions. Um, and so here I was experiencing a spiritual experience with these people that uh, I desired more. What happened, though, is that one of the gurus, Hindu gurus that my father had there actually uh, took a, how will I say this? He, he saw something in me. I, some of you might know this, you might not, but I'll explain it briefly to you. The Hindu faith and Hindu belief, very simply, is that we, they believe that we have a spirit or a soul that keeps getting reincarnated and coming back to the planet to learn spiritual lessons. Then you die and you come back to the planet again, depending on the spiritual things that you had learned before. And you either progress up or you progress down according to what they call as a karma or the law of karma. We in the West throw that word around, but to them, it's a very serious word. 
And it means that if you have evolved spiritually, you can come back more evolved. If you don't evolve spiritually, you'll go backwards. And in that belief system, uh, my guru said, and he believed that I had been here over 300,000 lifetimes. And he kept saying how evolved I was. And that basically, if he was to groom me and initiate me, then eventually I wouldn't have to come back to the planet. I could become a guru myself or an avatar myself. So when these things are being told to me at 13 years of age, you can imagine um, what that was to my ego and to everything else. And of course I said, yes, uh, my parents said yes. And so basically then for almost two decades, I was a direct initiator under this guru and he would initiate a different Hindu God through a different ritual or practice into me and into my spirit. And he'd do that once a year. And then as I would evolve, he would continue that with higher or more evolved Hindu lords um, in, in different things. Now I would do rituals of chanting those names. I would do different things around that in ashrams. And what happened is that I would spiritually evolve. And then also he said that he wanted to groom me and he wanted to groom me so that I could be a, a, an influencer and a very covert person that could then help peace across the planet because that was our goal it wasn't to do anything wrong it wasn't to hurt people it wasn't anything in fact my heart was so strong just simply wanting to help people's lives and transform lives and so here i had a guru that had taken to me and thought that i could become that so what they organized throughout my teenage years and then into the early 20s they started to put me through every spiritual practice that that existed that was existed in those days um, I'm not going to go into all the details of them. I actually have that in my book so people can understand I'm not someone who has always been a Christian and just researched it. I was someone who was in it. I was a master in almost every one. I had achieved that in almost every one of those practices. So I knew the practices. I knew the ins and outs. I still do. Um, and I know, I know the results of it. And yes, some are good and some are bad. And that's the key is to know the difference. So I continued that, and then in my uh, early 20s, I then moved from Australia to America and continued training, continued running trainings around the world, continued working for different organizations, which at that time I thought it was just my guru and different people that, were, that owned them or ran them or were co-founders. But as I progressed higher up, as I went into my late 20s, um, I was becoming now, under my guru, quite a well-known um, leader within certain organizations they have hospitals they have universities they they have all sorts of things that they run they're not outwardly known to be owned by the gurus but um, they they are there and that's what the the belief is is that the more people they can change over to their belief system the better the world will be and that's what i believed as well so then um as i was learning this the next thing that was the next step was i could become part of the inner circle which was a group of young men that would travel with the guru so I was keen for that, and I wanted to get to that point and to that level. Um, just before I was actually accepted to go into the inner circle to travel and live full-time uh, with a vow of poverty and just to follow the guru and look after him, just before that, I was invited what was in or what was called secret meetings. Now, secret meetings meaning they were secret, but there was uh, different gurus, there was different leaders, but there was also the globalists were there. And they were the ones that initiated the meetings and started to tell us that they had a plan and first of all they wanted us to help them with creating a one world religion that would actually tie in with the one world order they talked about the one world order uh so you know this is way back this is almost 20 25 years ago when i knew about things that they were going to do in different labs and there's going to be bioweapons and there's going to be this and this and this and we were told 
that because that's where we develop the strategies of how is the world going to take this? How are we going to do this? How, how, how will the globalists eventually come out and be able to say they're there to save the world and bring peace on the planet under the one world order? Now, they weren't going to do it till much later, just so that you know, but they jumped the gun and their plan now is to, to create everything that they want by their agenda of 2030. It wasn't originally going to be that, but they've brought it forward. Now, in these secret meetings, I, as I said, I, we were told the strategies that were going to happen, but we were also told and almost um, enlisted into certain areas. My, my area that I was enlisted into was to do two things. The first one was that I was to go after Christians and try and wean them away from their faith of believing that Jesus was the only God, that he died, that he died for our sins, that he had that resurrection power, that he's still alive today in heaven. My job was to try and wean Christians away from their faith. And the reason that I did that, and the reason that I believe that is, this is one of the things I didn't say in the beginning, with the progression spiritually of your soul, the Hindus believe, and I was told that by my guru, that Christians were actually very, very low on the scale. In fact, most of them were only here for their first lifetime. So I'd been here 300,000 lifetimes. They had been here one lifetime. So we believed that they were very uninvolved spiritually, didn't know things. They were the reason that there was intolerance and diversity and prejudice. And that's what we were told. Now, I believe that. I actually believed that that's what it was with Christian souls. But I believed it from a perspective that I thought that if I could help evolve them into a more enlightened truth, into a more enlightened um, principles of spirituality, that I could then help them evolve. And then eventually we could have the one world religion or the peace on the planet. Because we believe that the one world religion had to be all the religions together, but very watered down, that the globalists were going to control and they were going to control the one world religion. It wouldn't be Christianity, it wouldn't be Muslim. That's not their aim to have an individual religion. They want all of them underneath their control. And if you go to China, you'll find out that sample of that type of a method. So here I was believing that I needed to advance Christians. And so uh, that was my job. And through many different ways, from uh, very covert seminars to other things, to other stuff, that's what my job was. And we became very successful for quite a while at doing that. The globalists, even at that point, uh, were also had strategies of funding certain men and women that over the next 10, 20, 30 years could actually, with enough finance, could create mega churches and churches that eventually will be part of that one world religion or part of that one world government, one world order. So here I am in these meetings. And then the, the second secret meeting was a very different one because you, you, you need to remember, just like some of you, I thought love, peace on the planet. That's what I'm doing. I'm how honored am I that I, I'm chosen from a guru to do this. But I, I then went into one of these other higher inner circle meetings. And I'm just going to tell you, they weren't full of love and peace anymore. They were now full of satanic rights that I had to give my soul. I was asked to actually give my soul over and various different things within that realm. And I had to do certain initiation rights to be able to do that. And if I didn't do that, then there would be consequences. And as globalists, they had a lot of different threats from, from anything from death to family to, to that and blessed blackmail or even giving of funds because that was their plan. Now, um, I didn't have to answer straight away or do anything with it. I witnessed some. I even talked to some of the globalists just so that you, I'm trying to tell you as much as I can, but even some of the globalists 
they don't think human beings, the rest of us, are anything or important. They believe that they're sons of actual gods, and they actually believe that they will run the world. And we've seen that in the last two years. We've seen that they're coming out. Schwab even comes out and tells everybody now. He even comes out and talks about his program where, where he's got the Trudeau and he's got the one from New Zealand and, and there's others. There's another one in New South Wales and Victoria. These were all part of the New World Training Program. So here I am very confused now, thinking peace, love, that's why I'm heartfelt, I'm helping people. Yet here I'm seeing the top end of it being quite evil. And so I'm like, what do I do with that? What started to happen also uh, alongside of that is that in some of the seminars and spiritual things that I was doing, we were starting to see some very strange things, not good things, but bad things. And I know good things happen. I'm not denying that. I saw someone in the chat talking about all these good things about what the therapy is. That's great. Continue to do that. But I also saw some other things that were not good. And some people were, were calling me up and saying, oh, my husband just committed suicide after he came out of your seminar. He was unstable. Another one would uh, you know, say, my, my son, he's now in a psych ward. Uh, he's had an episode. This person's over here is leaving his family. This one's leaving his job. There was a lot of fruit that didn't sit well with my heart. And I didn't know what to do with that. So I was confused. I didn't know a personal God. I didn't know anything like that. But I just kind of cried out to the universe and said, I need an answer here that doesn't fit for me. I don't want to do those things. What do I do? I feel stuck and confused. Now, my answer came in a very interesting way. I was actually running a spiritual seminar uh, for a, a group of leaders. So it was a quite a high level of spiritual initiations and things that we were doing in that seminar. And in the middle of an exercise, I opened up my eyes because I was doing like a guided imagery. I opened up my eyes and I actually saw God in the room. Um, this might sound strange to you, but I did. I actually saw God uh, as a figure and light kind of shining all the way around him. Very magnificent. Um, I almost kind of like wanted to feel like I'd fall to my feet. But on, on the right-hand side of him, I saw Jesus. And I just, for some reason, knew that this Jesus was the Jesus of the Christian Bible. I didn't know why. I've never read a Bible. I never knew anything about Christianity. But it's just, it's just that I just knew. And then all of a sudden, he opened up his mouth and he said it. He said, I am, I am Jesus of the Christian faith. I'm this, I'm this, I'm that. And then, which, and you remember, I was against him. I was against him. I spoke against who he said he was. I fought him. I took people away from him. So this is kind of strange that he showed up. I'm thinking I'm going to get killed or I'm going to get blasted here because I'm, I've been against him. And all he did was talk about my life and talk about my heart. He talked about, he asked me to hold my hands out. And he said that, um, and light came from him directly into my hands. And he said, you for, for, and he then used these words. He said, for the enemy, you have been there praying and helping people news up, but now you're going to do it for me. And then he said a uh, scripture, which I never didn't even know was a scripture, but he said that his purpose when he came to earth was to destroy the enemy's works. So here I'm going, okay, what does he mean? And as I asked him questions and we conversed, he then described to me that these higher people, these higher globalists were evil and that they were about to try and take over the world within another two or three decades. And so as he was describing that, he described what I would be doing in the future uh, he described again my life, my heart. Um, all I felt was love. That's all I could feel from him. And so at that point, I was like, well, what do I do with this? Um, you know, I'm still a leader of all these other organizations. And just, just very quickly, what ended up happening was I felt like I was meant to go to a church, a Christian church. Now, when I thought I needed to go to the Christian church, my first thought was, I'm going to go. Remember what I thought Christians were with the first time on the planet with their soul? 
I thought that I'm going to go to this church and I'm going to eventually get asked by the universe. The energy will shift high enough. I'm going to go up front and I'm going to get to teach. There was about 600 people there. I'm going to get to teach these Christians about how to be more evolved. That's exactly what I thought. And um, so I went and found a church and different people told me this in different ways. So I found a church. And um, when I actually got to the point of um, getting into that church, I actually sat close to the front because I was late. But when I got there, I was waiting, of course, for the energy to shift. And, but no energy shifted. Nothing else happened. But the, the preacher was preaching something or the pastor was preaching something. Now, I don't want to just say it. I want to read it to you, okay? Because there was a scripture out of the Bible that, and he said, this is what Jesus was saying. So I, I just think in the context, I need to tell you directly from his word so I don't make it wrong. It says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and I will give you rest and rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the reason I'm saying that is that my spiritual exercise program to evolve was, was hard. To release karma, I was told constantly that my life would be painful to try and get through things to release spiritual karma. Now, so I, I had had at that point almost 15 different Hindu laws invoked or initiated into my body and into my spirit that I followed and did what I needed to do in my life. When I heard this man, this pastor or whatever, talking about Jesus, doing that, I'm like, hang on. My guru sometimes would quote Jesus, but not like that. And I'm like, he just said, take your yoke. Now, yoke is a Hindu term where you join. You actually join with the Godhead uh, of the spirituality. That's what yoking is. You can't break that yoke once you join in Hinduism. So here I am thinking, hang on. This Jesus is saying he's a Lord. I just saw him physically in an open vision. He's saying that his yoke is easy and the burden will be light. And remember, my whole life had been hard. So I'm like, okay, what will I do with this? So I went out and bought a Bible, and one that I thought I could read, um, not knowing anything, as I said, about Christianity anyway. And, and yeah, there's faults in every religion, but I was like, what do I do? What do I do with this? So I thought, being a healthy skeptic as I am, I'm going to check this Jesus out and see if he really is an easy Lord, to see if it is. So for one year, I committed that at any time I needed something from one of my Hindu lords, I wouldn't approach them or do a ritual. I would ask Jesus or I would search out the Bible, find out what he said. For 12 months, I had more peace than I've ever had in my life. I had more joy than I'd ever had in my life. I had physical miracles in my body show up where the, the physicians and doctors said this is, they actually claimed it as a miracle because it could never have happened. They don't like saying a miracle, but, and then I had financial things. I even had grief. I had emotional, mental things that were just completely taken away from me. Like that, that 12 months was probably the most amazing 12 months of my life. Now, I'm still a leader under the globalists, working for the globalists in certain organizations at that point. So I'm thinking, I'll go and tell my guru about how powerful Jesus is. He's a Lord. We were allowed to follow many Lords. We believe that all Lords and all things led to God. So I can follow any Lord. So I went to my guru and I started telling him about what had happened to me and how and the joy I had, the peace I had, the love I had. That even if a tragedy or a situation came, I, I could find truth in him and he would he would take me through it pretty quickly and get me through victory-wise. So here I was talking to my guru and he got very upset. He excommunicated me out of the organization. 
sent faxes all around the world and to all the organizations saying to stay away from me, to never come near me uh, because they'll, they'll end up like me throwing away everything. Now, I didn't throw everything away. I actually found, and, and people come to me and sometimes say, someone like you should never have come out because they're thinking of how evolved. Like I was so evolved, why would I go backwards to being a Christian as my first lifetime? Why would I do that? I'm not stupid. So why would I do that? I did it because the proof of what happened for me, might not be for other people, but for me, the proof of everything that Jesus did when I asked him into my heart to show me things, um, it had to be better. It just had to be better than the other. So I'm not dumb. I then decided, well, I'm going to follow this anyway. And, and if it ends up not being good or it ends up being whatever, then I'll stop. And it's been over 25 years now that I still want to touch people's lives. I still teach people spiritual stuff with, with, but I find it from the Bible now. I don't find it from the other. Now, the, the globalists still exist. And as I said, they've come out early and their plan's still there. And there's a lot of people I still know in certain organizations that I pray for, I communicate with secretly a lot. But um, I just at least wanted to get to that point where you saw this was my spiritual journey. This was my life. I, I am not judgmental. I don't judge anyone. In fact, I don't, I've never been given authority by my Lord to do that. All I do is I just live by Jesus and I want people to know how good he is. I don't talk about how bad anything else is. I might discuss things and in the questions and answers, we can talk about it. But I basically want people to know that someone like me, that had to be such a powerful change in my life for me to then drop all of that and trust a Lord who said that his yoke would be easy. So I'm not sure if you want to add anything or ask me any questions, Tanya, but that's kind of it in a nutshell. My book is probably the best thing to buy or to read. And I think um, I'd like to mention that now. I'm actually going to give the ebook for free to everybody who, um, who, who's actually um, on the show tonight. I want to give that out free. And the best way to do that is just go. And I think that's going to be in the chat of how to yes. do that. Yeah. Thank you, Alan, so much for your testimony. And we're, there's a, a look at your book right there. If anybody would like a copy of Alan's book, Sheila is going to open up the chat. She will provide a link. There it is. Oh, Sheila, will you provide Alan's email? And if you mm. email Alan, he will provide you a copy of his book. Okay, see, Esther, good. And all right. And Sheila, you are fabulous. You've put not only Alan's email in there, but a copy to his uh, web page as well. All right. Uh, okay, Alan. So there's uh, several ways we're going to go about this. I know that some people have put a question in the Q&A. There will be some people, if you can raise your hand uh, by using, you can go down to the bottom of the Zoom here, you'll see the raise hand symbol. Click on that and we will move to uh, some questions. I know that I, I had just wanted to ask you one thing. I was quite shocked when I was researching the other day. And if it's okay with you, Trenzio, I want to give one more shot at, um, as I was researching a little, there were some names that were unfamiliar to me that just kept coming up. Uh, one was Alice Bailey, who, who it says here is known as the prophetesses of the New Age movement, who was one of the ones that st first started to use the term New Age. And then as I researched the uh, UN more deeply, 
There was uh, Robert Mueller, who served with the UN for 40 years, and he, he was nicknamed the philosopher of the United Nations because he was pushing for the re representation of religions in the UN, especially the New Age movement. There was Morris Strong. Uh, I, I wasn't too impressed when I was uh, reading on this individual who was the undersecretary for the United Nations and also secretary general of the United Nations Conference, who was also the um, started Agenda 21. This was back in 1992, my friends. Like I said, mm -hmm. this has been in the works for decades. So the New Age movement is very closely tied to the UN agenda. I'm just giving a little bit of history here because as I've said with everything, uh, when there is uh, when there is an agenda in place to deceive people, uh, they come at it in, in ways that seem so subtle. And I know that Alan, you had provided, and we're gonna talk about maybe just slightly about the yoga. A lot of people say, well, why is yoga harmful? And I would like to hear uh, one of the secret meetings you were in and discuss the yoga a little bit more. So one of the last people I wanna bring up was David Spanger, and he was described as one mm -hmm. of the disciples of Alice Bailey. And he made the comment that no one will enter the new world order unless he or she will make a pledge to worship Lucifer. No one will enter the new age unless he will take a Luciferian initiation. And this was back in the 1970s. And so people will say, well, I'm part of the new age and it's part of unity and love. And I don't worship Lucifer. I've no, made no pledge with him. And, and this is the deception. This is what all of this is founded on. So can, can you expand on that a little bit? And can we just have a brief conversation uh, about yoga and what you witnessed as far as the strategy was concerned? First of all, that quote is very accurate. That's the very thing that they asked me to do when I got in that second secret meeting. That's why I couldn't do it. It just, it just something in me and in my spirit that wouldn't allow me to do that. Um, and so it, it's true. And not only that, a lot of people in the new age will say that love, peace and everything. And I agree. That's the reason I was in on it. And I, and I agree if your heart's right, your heart's right. It's not nothing wrong with you. Cause like my heart was right. However, what happened was that, how will I put this? Um, the leaders of the creation of the new, of the whole um, new age movement, if we want to call it that, are the creators are originally the globalists. I've heard so many people recently say, oh, but the new age movement was hijacked by them. It wasn't hijacked by them. I can tell you without a doubt, and I have the credentials, it was created by them. It's the thing that they want is the one world order eventually, that they will, sorry, the one world religion that they will control. Uh, but you, you will not become a leader or ever enter into anything to do with it without that initiation that's always going to be at the end so even the leaders are all initiated in that so even if you're not your organization is ruled by people that are evil and right. have taken initiations to take in the devil or satan and they use those words to actually rule your life and that you will then follow him as lord it's very simple all right uh, i won't get into what the what the rituals are um but now, now yoga, yeah, in that second meeting, um, well, it was kind of like point 0.2a meeting, but um, one of the things that we needed to do to, with the One World Religion was that we needed to get Christians in the world into um, a spiritual practice that we believed would um, either numb them out spiritually or 
would create them to be affected spiritually. And the discussion and the decision in those meetings was that we would start to promote yoga. Because back then, that far back, yoga was still a you know, nutty practice. Not many people did it unless you were really had visited India or come back. Or, and there might be some people that you know 30 years ago went that far, but it wasn't known widely, let alone to Christians at all. So we came up with and, and strategized, as many of us, that we needed to come up with something that eventually, if weaned over culture, people would start doing it and think it's just normal. You can't just do that overnight. You need 20, 30 years mm -hmm. to change a culture. And we've seen that in many ways. And so we chose yoga for one reason, because we believed in yoga and we believe, I was a Hatha yoga master. We believed in the um, every position. We believed in what the Hindu gurus talk about. And they will not wishy-washy around. They will tell you straight out that a Hindu practice of yoga is to yoke with Brahman and the trinity of the Hindu gods and to spiritually evolve. And in doing that, you, you're not just doing yoga. It's in every single spiritual writing of the Hindus, the Upanishads, the Bhagavad Gita. It's in there saying that when you take this position or you put yourself in this position, you're invoking a certain god to enter your life. And I know a lot of people go, oh, but that doesn't happen for me. That doesn't happen. Well, I don't know whether it does or it doesn't. All I'm telling you is that the Hindus, and if you go to India today, they still believe in it. And they also believe you can't change it. They laugh at us mm -hmm. in the West and think, oh, they change it and they change it. And they go, no, you can't. The simple, and people go, but that wouldn't happen for me. And they go, well, if you read there, if you read the practice, every position you take, you're actually by your physical body, because the Hindus believe that you're willingly opening up to take that god and yoke with them because that's what yoga means to yoke with right. now because so many people want to fight me with this and do different stuff and you can do what you want but the bottom line is that when we wrote the book we thought well we won't just say it let's do it so we put several chapters leading up to yoga and then several chapters in it showing all of the positions that the hindus believe in their faith that you will be joined and yoked with that position now why did we as westerners choose that because we thought and please hear my heart back then i thought people were dumb and i thought i was like a god you remember because of the same level that i'd reached so we thought we can convince them it was kind of like a bit of a game too it was like this is a good strategy we'll convince it that over 30 years everyone will be doing it and if you look at society now and if, especially if you look in the 90s it highly accelerated late 80s and 90s. And now so many people are doing it and don't even realize anything about it in any way. So all I'm wanting to do is just bring the truth of what was planned and that plan had been put out. And that was why, so that eventually these people, I mean, even some of the, I gotta add this, even some of the books that were written for yoga and for Eastern practices, um, by one called Gia Arundel. He's, he's got an amazing book. He's totally for it all, but he warns everyone in like the first chapter, we're warning the West, you can do this, but in the times of the future, you're going to find more people with heart attacks, anxiety, depression, all of this. And they describe all of that because these are the results of the power of raising up that spirit, that Kundalini spirit in your spine and through your body, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then some people come along, as I said, and they say, but I, I don't do that. Well, you're doing it, but you think that it's not affecting you. And that's going to be up to you individually to decide. 
Right. Yeah. Many people would say that, um, especially those that uh, practice yoga or teach yoga, saying many people have been healed. You know, it's bringing stress out of your body. And mm -hmm. we know that, uh, you know, we're called in the Bible to meditate upon the Lord. Uh, there is uh, Pilates and all kinds of different stretching that don't have a tie mm -hmm. to, you know, different spiritual aspects. And so for exactly. myself, I know that I would rather avoid something that had the potential of causing uh, me harm or to be connected with something on a spiritual level. Uh, the other thing I was having a talk with a friend today, a really dear friend of mine, and, and she doesn't happen to be a Christian, but uh, she's part of our team and totally respects. She says, Tanya, I totally respect what you're saying about um, Canada being founded on Christian principles. I agree with that. I embrace it. I think it does set us apart from other uh, religious and political setups in other countries. Uh, this is just a fact, right? We can look up all the countries that I named and we know that those people are living in oppression and there's really good people there and they do anything to live in freedom. So if we on that level can come together and say, living in Canada is a good thing, um, push setting aside the Christian biblical principles and foundations uh, doesn't work for me, but then you still have to come to the question, does secularism, does a multicultural society that is moving us away from, we celebrate all cultures, but we still have to have a core belief system. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves in the place that these uh, people who have immigrated to Canada, uh, you know, if they are permitted to uh, bring their failed foreign policies and belief systems and root them into Canada, then this is what's becoming problematic right now. And that's what's causing the division. So we're saying you're welcome to come to Canada. We love you, but this is the system that, that we have functioned by and that works well. And it's the reason you wanted to come here. Can we all agree to embrace it and uplift it? You can still have your belief system, but don't try to destroy it from within. Don't try to get into a political position and bring that in. We have to, we have to be concrete on this in order to survive what's going on and out in the world and by that of the globalists right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the, and the globalists have a very strong plan. Absolutely, they do. And uh, so I've had an awakening in the last several weeks as, you know, as this became, mm -hmm. you know, quite, pre quite prevalent. And I felt the need to have the conversation. And, and like I said, I know that the chat will light up with people saying, well, there's Christian yoga. So we've already covered that. And can you describe to us the, um, you gave us an example the other day of how you felt the difference was between uh, being a Christian, uh, you shared something about a relationship with your and your commitment to your wife. Yeah, sure. For, I will. I'll do that just first of all, because I, I don't know if it's in the chats on purposely not kind of looking at them so I can concentrate mm -hmm. on this. But um, some people, you know, often say, oh, are you saying that, you know, yoga is going to harm people because it, everyone I've done it and I feel better. I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about spiritual. Everything I'm talking about is mm -hmm. spiritual. Everything the globalists are organizing is spiritual. That's why they wanted to do a spiritual Hindu technique. Um, so, you know, in the long term, sorry, in the short term, it might be great, but in the long term, it might not. I just, I just also know a lot of people in my own life that eventually, once they become aware, they stop it and their lives actually do change. It's the only reason mm -hmm. I changed my life because um, it doesn't mean that I don't have tragedy, but I, I can guarantee you it's like a fairy tale. I have more love. I have more joy. I have more happiness. I have tragedy. I've had depression. I've had things, but I get through it quicker without having to do the other practices. And that'll lead me into your question um, is that 
a lot of people would come to me and say, oh, but can't I, can't I just do yoga and I'll just think of Jesus while I'm doing yoga? Now, if you want to do it, like you can do anything you want. I don't have any strength over your judgment in any way. You just do what you want. However, I, I personally like to be led by Jesus because he's my Lord now. He's a better Lord, so I'm always following him while he's better. And, he, um, and, and I went, what, how? how? How do I answer that? Because, you know, your name in the Bible, it says is greater than anything else. So in one way, that's true. And then he said, it's about covenant. For me, when I decided to leave what I was in, when I found the evilness of it and wanted to become a Christian, I came through what Jesus did on the cross, which is a covenant. I joined a covenant with him. So when I did that, I didn't anymore do any more new age practices, spiritual practices. I did none of that. I just left it behind, joined a new covenant, which I believed was better. And if I wasn't doing it, then I'm stupid, but it's better, so I'm going to do it. And then, so... I asked the Lord, what about that? And he said, well, it's the same as in marriage. You're in, a, you're in a marriage with your wife. And I said, yes. He said, when you had, before you met her, you dated women. You might have even slept with women before you met her. You might not have. Who knows what you did? But these are all the things. Then when you got married, you came through a covenant. Because it is. Marriage is a covenant with that other person, including a commitment. For me, it was a spiritual covenant. So when I became then on this side of the cross, I'm now um, you know, in covenant with my wife. So because I'm in covenant with my wife, the Lord showed me to say, well, you know, I just think upon Jesus when I do it. He said, that's the same as if you went to your wife and said, oh, hi, babe, I'm just going to go next door and, um, you know, I'm going to sleep with her and I might go out there, but I'm going to think about you while I'm doing it. So we have to be careful on what our wisdom is that we think we're greater than a Hinduism or a Hindu spiritual belief that's been around for thousands of years. Where is that? So I realized that if I've entered a covenant as a Christian, then I need to follow godly practices and not go back to my old practices. Um, if I'm in a marriage, then I'm going to stay on my um, marriage covenant and love my wife. I don't need to go back and do something I used to do, but just try and label it different. So mm -hmm. some people like this, some don't, but I, you know, I believe that's spiritual adultery. If we go back, if, especially even if I do that, go back to all the other practices when I'm now following a different God who's got better practices. Right. And, and, and then, and then yeah, people are already saying that's a great analogy. And, and so one of the things I, this is a show about having tough conversation. We want to ignite some critical thinking, and then you can go away and make your own decisions. Like we may, we may end the show and you may not agree. Nothing may have changed for you. There are others who would, would maybe in the days and weeks ahead, will will consider some of the things that um, have been spoken and, and maybe think differently. One of the things that, um, I've spent some time in is that when we take a look at all the different religions, there is only one that starts with in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and all other religions after that Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, Islam all started hundreds, if not thousands of years uh, um, after God created the heavens and the earth and all that was in it. Uh, I believe Islam started, Muslims, Muhammad came 600 years after Christ, and they copied much of uh, biblical teachings in order to develop that religion. And so for myself, once I started to really consider this is that, you know, uh, copycat religions uh, means just that they're copycats. 
And, and so what is the one true, who would be the one true God? And so as I thought about all of this, I thought, okay, if, if the Bible is saying that in the beginning, God created the heavens of the earth, we have um, now uh, uh, evidence through the ark and biblical scriptures and all kinds of things to support biblical teachings. Uh, that has drawn me to what I believe is the one true God, and that's the God of the Bible. And so when I go to look at Hinduism or Buddhism and all of these things, the devil himself knows the Bible better than anybody, knows it better than the majority of all Christians because it's his best tool to use against us. And so why wouldn't these other religions come as spirits of peace and good and kindness and love? And, and so my challenge today is for people to consider the Western nations that were based on biblical teachings and principles was the UK, Australia, New Zealand, America, and Canada. And when we had godly leaders uh, in leading these countries, we had freedom and democracy. Things were going well. Uh, you know, we were thriving in all ways, our families, our children, our economies, etc. And it is only when tyrannical people came into these positions with, with godlessness within their hearts that our countries began to go downhill. And then now, if you take a, a look at India, Pakistan, North Korea, China, and the 57 Islamic majority countries, these people truly are living under oppression. And so for me, it's an easy decide, you know, is there one true God? I'd say yes, but you know what? You need to discover it for yourself. You need to wrestle with this a bit. And as I say, we'd be doing a great disservice if we didn't come out and, and challenge you in your thinking a little bit and love you that even if we end up disagreeing, we continue to love you in respect to that decision. Yeah. Let me, let me just add two questions on that for the people as well. Number one, when you go away, please, when you're thinking and processing this, ask yourself really honestly, why would someone at my level, my age, go so high in mm -hmm. everything that I believe? I totally believe with all my heart. Why would I leave that and follow another religion? Or, mm -hmm. and, and it wasn't really religion. It was following another Lord that then happened to be connected to a religion. So why would I do that? And so that's one question I want you to ask. And the second thing is... Uh, I'm going to ask you to, maybe if you ever felt like doing it, do what I did. I actually asked Jesus when I went into that church, I, and this, the preacher was doing what he was doing, and um, he said, anyone wants to come out and ask Jesus into your heart, come ahead. And I thought, I had 15 other lords. I might as well add another one. <laughs> well, I checked him out. And the interesting thing was that um, God honored that for me. But, but when I did that, um, how will I say this? Um, all I simply did is I, I, I didn't become a Christian at that moment. I didn't. I just simply asked Jesus, come into my heart and show me who you are as a Lord. And that's what I did for 12 months. I mm -hmm. had to check him out. And he proved himself to me. So my challenge or heartfelt thing would be not only asking the other, the other question of, well, you know, what, why would this man change like that? Um, and second, why not ask him? Why not say, hey, Jesus, come into my heart and into my life and just show me. Start to show me who you are. The reason I suggest that is that if you do that, you will I guarantee you'll start to see mm -hmm. some things about him as a Lord. And the reason I say that is I have affected thousands of lives that have been in other religions, any religion, and, had, and asked them that and then found that they started to hear and see and even feel the love of Jesus over any religion or anything else that there or joining a church necessarily. But it's they, they met 
Jesus of who he really was. So just like I did. So I, I'd like to challenge you to maybe do that. Yeah, that's that's an incredible uh, testimony of it. And I know that when you said that you left um, the New Age movement, that you had received many threats, uh, the word went out right away that you are actually dangerous. Uh, did you actually receive any uh, personal threats against your person? Oh, yeah, all the time. Right. <laughs> all and the time. Um, but not only that, but the globalists, because people say, how did you get away? Well, I just believe it was because I moved into a, a Lord that protected me and he still is protecting me. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm going to share a story for you that might rock your audience a bit. There is a man that I knew quite well. And most of you who are in the New Age will know him. His name is Randall Bayer. He was the founder of crystals. He was the founder of the Bible of crystals called the Crystal Connection. He, to most people, everyone thinks that that's who he is. He was the founder of the, you know, of crystals. However, he had the same experience that I did, the exact same experience, and, and, and ended up realizing that these are his words. You can read it in his book called in, in the Present Darkness, where he realized that what he was doing when he got high up was that it was going to be evil and the globalists and everything involved. So he ended up running away from, he used to have pyramids in his backyard and everything. He ran away from his house scared when he realized this, and he ended up giving his heart to the Lord Jesus as well. Now, the difference was is that um, they, about two or three weeks later, they found him dead at the bottom of a cliff with his brakes cut. So when that happened, I got very serious on making sure because I knew him and I knew that he'd just gone through the same thing I'd gone through. So um, I made sure there was people around for me just, you know, praying because I believe I'm, I'm, when Jesus says I'm protected, I'm protected. I've never I've never had fear. It's interesting for me here with the words, right? When you work for the evil people. And then you work for Jesus. It's like, there's no fear. <laughs> that's am that's amazing. So. Can we talk a little bit about um, Hinduism? Uh, one gal, Karen, is saying that Hinduism was well before Christianity, 5,000 years old, and that it's uh, the most peaceful. What was your personal experience uh, being involved in the Hindu religion? Maybe what went on in temples? Um, what was the history of it? Could you explain a little bit of that to us? Yeah, and just so that she knows Christianity was around even before the last 2000 years with all the Old Testament and everything that God's people have been around for a long time. Um, and, but as far as it's interesting, because part of my job <laughs> was to convince people that Hinduism is all peaceful and full of love and everything else. And so therefore, everything that was brought to the West has that on it. Um, I don't know if, the, if this person has ever been to India, but I can tell you right now, half the temples that evolve around the trinity of the three gods, Kali, Vishnu and Brahman, they are nothing but peaceful. They are not love. They are not any of that. They're actually quite horrific. There's a lot of bloodletting. There's a lot of other stuff going. There's temple prostitution that goes on in Kali's temple. If you actually look at the Hindu gods and you actually study the uh, Upanishads and their writings, they're not all peace and love, unfortunately. But on the surface, it looks that way. And I think I shared this on one of your previous meetings is that I, when I realized that I had been in deception for me with the globalists, it's like, how do I find out what deception is? So I did a three-year study, not on Christian books or religious books, but with um, in the libraries to find out the gods I was following now and the new age gods, where did they come from? And I, I found some very fascinating um, things. Now, I'm not telling you to go to India, but the whole results of their religion, even their karmic religion, as I mentioned before, 
if someone's begging in the street, they're not allowed. If I was a businessman and there's someone begging, I'm not allowed to give them money. I'm not allowed to go over to them and help them. Because if I do that, I'm breaking their spiritual karma and I'm going to be responsible for that next time I come back to the planet. And then I could be that bigger. So they don't reach out. They believe that that person is there because of the bad karma of the last lifetime. That's not a really nice religion when you find out the truth. No, I know. And um, when Karen was talking about, you know, India being, if you go to India, it's very peaceful and, and maybe for a visitor. Uh, but we are very well versed on the persecution of Christians and minorities in India. It's horrific, actually, uh, where Christians are, are being burned uh, alive. Um, and and so we have many reports on that. But like I said, the uh, the um, mainstream media is not speaking about it. Next week, Majed El Shefi from One Free World International is going to be our special guest. And Action for Canada is uniting with Majed because we are going to advocate for the persecuted pastors and Christians in mm. Canada, as well as every single Canadian who is enduring human rights violations, egregious ones, losing their jobs, um, you know, uh, death by by COVID vac uh, vaccination injection, these type of things. So that's going to be coming next week. I'm excited about it. But Majed is somebody who has been to India. He's been to Iraq. He he goes into countries in the middle of wars to help people who are being minority groups, not just Christians, but minority groups who are being persecuted. And and um, anything that is an unjust, uh, we believe is wrong, and we ourselves are involved in. So uh, that will be interesting, Karen. I would encourage you to come next week to listen to Majed, who has as well firsthand um, experience with these uh, with these individuals. And so we all know. I, I live in a, a very multicultural uh, society here in Surrey. I have amazing friends that are from India, Pakistan. Uh, many different places from China. But I'll tell you, one of the themes is in our conversations is they moved to Canada to get away from the political and religious systems that they were living mm -hmm. under. And they have come to me thanking me very much for bringing awareness and fighting for this country uh, because they are very concerned. And many of the elders who are being uh, permitted to immigrate to Canada are now applying so much pressure to them and giving them a hard time as to why they gave up their practices, uh, you know, from the old country. And, and so it's, a, it's concerning, right? Like how do we have the balance of love, uh, have, have multiple cultures in our nation if we do not defend what this nation is founded on. So it's a tricky subject. All right, Trenzio, let's bring on a few people and have some questions. All right. The first question we have is from Gary. Gary, are you with us? Uh, yes, my uh, question has to deal with the pineal gland for Alan. And I'm just wondering what this might have to do with, or anything to do with the concept of higher learning. Is that new agey stuff going on there? Um, definitely higher learning is, uh, that, that is one of the common narratives of anything in that level is that to be evolved or, or you need to have higher learning or um, um, evolved learning um, to do with life and spiritual things, etc. Um, so yes, yeah, definitely that part of the narrative of it. Um, even Christians that are getting weaned, one of the things that we did when we were weaning them is we, we would entice them by higher learning, higher than the Bible. The Bible's old, the Bible's this. 
and it's and half of it's myth, but this is the real truth. And you need to you need to come up to the higher vibration, the higher level. So it's definitely a narrative. Okay, thank Excellent. you. And and uh, as far as decalcification of the pineal gland with fluoride, uh, what do you know about that? I actually know nothing about it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll probably look it up now, but I'll, I'll always be honest with you. I don't know anything. All right. Thanks for your question. Next, we have from Genevieve. Hello. Can you hear me? We can hear okay. you, Genevieve. Yes. One minute. Thank you. Just two quick questions. One, sometimes you have said you know the people and you won't name names, and I would like you to name names. And if you can't name names, could you just explain why? And the second thing I'd like to ask is what was your relationship, if any, to the Maharishi that started in the 60s? Uh, I didn't know the Maharishi directly, but the person that then came underneath him uh, was about four or five gurus that came underneath him. I, I had at different times personal meetings with them or I was in their um, special meetings, like, you know, just uh, spiritual involvement meetings. Um, and then, yeah, why won't I name people? Um, this is an interesting one. I get attacked for this, which is interesting because I'm doing it from a heartfelt place. Some of the people that I was with are still alive today. Um, I'm still even witnessing to them sometimes and talking to them. The last thing I want to do on any public forum is name them. And if I name them, they would shut me off uh, instantly. You'd be surprised at um, how quickly they hear things. And, um, and I want to keep loving them and, and helping them get out of the deception they're in. And so that's why I don't name people. I mean, we all know the families, we all know that, but as far as individuals, um, I've, no, I'm not in my own integrity and just to my own heartfelt for them, I don't want to ruin our friendship. All right, thanks for your question. Next question we have is from Colleen. Great, thank you. Um, regarding the yoga, I, yes. I've, I've never been a fan of this. Uh, I have many friends uh, that support this and and uh, never really made an impact until a couple of days ago, my one of my granddaughters told me that uh, she was going to be uh, teaching yoga. And uh, I don't know, just something about what she said just kind of bothered me. And then now hearing you tonight, now it really bothers me. So how can I, um, how can I approach this? The, the first thing to do, and, and I would suggest this to everyone, um, you've only heard snippets of my life story. Uh, the, per, the whole reason the book was written is to, from so many people that said, you've got to put it all into one book. It's not a long book. People who don't read books tell me they read it in an hour or an hour and a half and they never normally read books. That's why I'm giving the free ebook. So, and if, and I'm also, if you don't have Kindle or ebook or that sort of technology, I'm going to send a PDF. So you can, you can do that as well. And there's two ways. One, read it yourself first. So you understand what's in there and why. There's so much more understanding and revelation in it. The second thing, and you'll probably get more of my heart in it too. And then the, the second thing is that um, is, is it gives all of the, uh, the positions, the reasons, the gods, everything else, and even references. So people can look it up if they don't believe what I've said, but what other gurus have said, Hindu gurus have said, different things like that. And then the, and then the third thing would be, I'm more than happy to any of you, once you've read that ebook or you want to just send it to anyone, you, you send it to anyone you want to. Um, and then again, encourage people to, to um, read it. Uh, the key is never to attack anyone. Mm -hmm. I have no authority to judge or attack anyone at all, and I never will. 
I might bring truth from my life because that's all I have the authority to do. If that upsets people, then it does, but that's, that's just my life. Um, the, uh, the key is to love people. My, my job isn't to say what's wrong with yoga, even though I've been asked to do that in a book form and, I, because, and I've done that. It's not that it's wrong. It's that you need to have the knowledge of what it really is. But the other thing is that I want people to, to understand certain things that are there, but at the same time, not use it as a judgment against someone. Just love them. I want to tell people the successful life they can have compared mm -hmm. to the one that I had. Um, and that's what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about people to know Jesus simply because of what he did for me and still doing for me in my life. You don't need to do, in other words, you don't need to do yoga. If you want to do it, go ahead and do it, but you don't need to do it. I'm living proof that you don't. I stopped it 25 years ago, teaching it and everything else, but it's because I found love in a greater way, in another way. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's still always everyone's choice. But, um, you know, don't make it wrong. Don't be scared. No such thing as fear. Fear never came from God. Fear is something else. So, um, but definitely read the book. And um, I think I saw a quick quote a while back that someone had gotten the wrong email address. Very simply, I think on the screen, there's my website. Um, but if you go to the website, you're going to have to end up paying for it. So don't do that. Go to my email, which is just simply alan at alanstradwickministries.com. And if you go yes. to that email, you'll get, you'll get it to me, say free book, and I'll get it straight to you. Sheila, will you... It. Will you post it again in the chat as well, Sheila, please? And, and we want to let people know as well, Ellen, you'll agree that people will say, oh, with uh, Christianity, there's churches that have done harm. The Catholic Church has done harm. What we need you to understand is that there are very sinful people in the world, evil people mm -hmm. that get into places of authority, no matter where you are. And so Action for Canada is a non-denominational, Bible-believing Christian organization. And we believe that Canada was founded on Christian principles. And as I always say, but we believe you have the, the um, freedom to believe or not to believe. It is, this organization isn't just for Christians to be a part of because we have a, a common denominator in, in who we are uniting against. And that's this tyrannical government. But we all need mm -hmm. a, at least a, a foundation from which we need to work with. And love is about sometimes speaking some hard truths as well. And that's what we're doing today as we navigate through this. All right, Terenzio, the next question. Next question is from uh, Andrew. Oh, yes. My question is, I have heard recently that the mainstream churches, perhaps all churches, have been, quote, unquote, infiltrated. So I was wondering... If you could shed light on that, how have the churches been infiltrated? Is there a method or how is that happening? And how can people discern whether a church has been infiltrated or not? Yes, first of all, um, churches are. I mean, I, you know, that, that's, a, that's a plan that's out there to do that. But in the infiltration, it's, it's to, you know, get alongside people and wean them away from their faith. Uh, in various methods. Um, if you ever had anyone, and in, 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 first of all, a pastor of a church should be aware of this in the, if they're in charge of their church and they're spiritually aware. Um, but first of all, if, you, if, if someone's coming to you and, they, and then after a while they start to talk about that, uh, uh, that you know, the, the tenets of faith of Christianity are not that. So, no, Jesus didn't really die on the cross. He was more a guru. He was more a prophet. He was more that. Um, or if they start talking about you need to have higher revelation, come to this meeting I'm at, 
I go to this meeting. This guy's amazing. He talks about things that are greater than the Bible and he gives all this revelation on it. That's a warning sign. Yeah. Um, if they start to talk about, no, Jesus didn't really die for your sins. You have to actually go through a process to do that. He was ne- or he wasn't resurrected at all. So in other words, from a biblical point of view, um, they will be talking about things that are not a biblical point of view. Um, you know, I have people t- come to me all the time about stuff. I go, no, it's not me. The Bible says this. I'm a follower of Jesus, so I follow what he says. Um, and, and yes, even what you were saying, Tanya, there's been churches in the past. There's been that. And look, not every church is great. However, that's how you'll see infiltration. So the Bible actually talks about discerning of spirits. It's in 1 John chapter 4, and it actually talks about how to discern a spirit that is from God or a spirit that is from the devil or from the enemy or from Satan. It actually very specifically talks about how to do that. So if you went there and read that, you'd find out how that that works in the sense of discernment. Thank you. Okay. Welcome. All right. Next question we have is from Paulette. Yeah. Hi. How are you? Good. Hi, Paulette. One minute. Okay. So, um, Tanya, um, I have to comment something because I myself is an immigrant and I myself you're, has. You're what? Sorry? I an immigrant. Okay. Country, and I, I really left my country because of terrorism. And I was hoping mm-hmm. to come here uh, thinking that Canada is a country that worships the Lord. Yeah. And uh, this is not what I found, honestly. Like, yes. I had to explain yeah. for them, uh, why they are saying Happy Holidays, not Merry Christmas, which mm-hmm. doesn't happen in my country, previous country, where there is terrorism. We still say yeah. Merry Christmas in my previous country. Right. So, I mean, it's become... Yeah. Yeah, Paulette, so I'm, I'm hearing your heart on, on this. Yeah, but what I need to say, I'm not defending the... The, uh, the immigrant that are here. What I need to say is that the government is letting them do anything they want mm-hmm. in exchange for their votes. Yes. So Justin Trudeau yes. is giving them cookies, uh, everything, money, child benefits, just bring children, take 10 to 15 child benefits and vote for me. So yes, Paulette. You know? And yes, Paulette, you're right. I've done a huge research on the rise of, uh, for instance, the rise of political Islam in Canada. And understand, this is not about the moderate Muslim. My friends don't think that it's like, oh, she's a racist, she's this and that. And that's what that's what the government wants us to do. It wants us not to be able to defend the foundation of this nation. God doesn't care about the color of your skin. The devil does because he wants to use it against you. And he wants to use it against us so that we he can't call we can't call him out. And so I have Filipino friends, I have Chinese friends, Pakistani friends, you know. And and so when I go to a rally, I'm hugging everybody equally, and I don't want to have to say my Pakistani Canadian friend and my you know uh, Filipino Canadian friend. I just call them my friends. I, I don't look yeah, at all of this, what? but in this report, just a second, in this report on the rise of political Islam, if you go into that report and read it, you'll see that um, political Islam is infiltrating our government in Canada. There are Muslim Brotherhood uh, MPs in the Liberal Party reportedly, and in their mosque, their imams are teaching. We have them recorded on record saying that to wish somebody a Merry Christmas is worse 
than murder or adultery. And it's in a room full of youth that this imam is teaching them in Canada. Don't we have a right to come out and say, I don't want that, that uh, taught in Canada? And, and so this is not, again, about the moderate Muslim. They've come to Canada wanting to flee the tyranny. But the problem is the radicals have the money and the power to bring about the damage. And, and even moderate Muslims now won't even go to their own mosque because of what is being taught there. And that there are some of them which are, are highly being focused on by our intelligence because they're um, centers for extremism. So we do need to have a conversation about this. We do need to protect the immigrants coming here. And the way we're going to do that is fight for our sovereignty. I, I, I'm, my Lord taught me to love everyone because we are all mm -hmm. children of God. I'm not being racist, but what I'm, I wanted to say, if I go to your house and I do whatever I want and you don't tell me mm -hmm. anything, I will take advantage of you. So here we, in Canada, we are allowed to say happy Ramadan, but we are not allowed to say happy, Merry Christmas. This is That's crazy. Right. Yes, so yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be. Can, a... Yeah, how can we fight this? I don't know. Well, we will, and it's by all of us being able to talk honestly. Alan, go ahead. I mean, it's part of the globalist narrative. The majority of them are all white, and yet the narrative through the media, which they own, is that us, especially Christians, are, are negative and intolerant and prejudiced, yet we're not. We're the opposite. Our Lord tells us to love everybody, all mm -hmm. race, creed, color, whatever, and women, slaves, anybody. So you've got to be careful of the narrative that, that comes down. Right. It's, and it's also that Christians aren't to be a doormat either, right? Uh, exactly. You know, some of the some of the greatest battles were were fought and won, uh, you know, by Christians. Uh, look at Wilbur Wilberforce, right? Wilberforce, who who, who fought uh, against slavery. Uh, he happened to be a white Christian and endured great suffering, uh, you know, for for the journey that uh, God called him to. And but if we don't stand up for Canada. Um, if we're told that we don't have a right to stand up for who we are and, and what this country was founded on, Muslims can now come to Canada and, and they take their citizenship by, by putting their hand on the Quran. And people can choose the book that they want to. They, they're offended by the Bible, right? by vowing to become a Canadian on the Bible. And, and I just think that we have every other right, like any other country, to, to defend our nation. All right, next question, please. All right, next question is from Dan C. Yes, hi, can you hear me? Hi, Dan, one minute. Yes. Yeah, short question. So from what I understand, Alan, you are not following any of the major traditional Christian branches or churches that exist now in, in the world, right? What do you mean by me not following? Following like, uh, you know, following the, their traditions or their, uh, um, you know, the way that religion uh, expresses uh, itself in in those churches? Not quite sure. Let me answer it this way. I go to a local church because I believe in churches, and I've chosen one that believes to stand up through all of this tyranny that's been happening, and they're against the globe is the same as I am. So we're spirit-like spirits. So I've chosen that, and that's the man that, you know, would feed to me. But more importantly... I, I follow the word of God because man, look, we all know I was like that. You know, we can be tainted. Uh, I don't follow man or a church or a religion. I follow Jesus from that aspect. I follow the word of God, but I do actually assemble together with a group of people that are very similar. Okay. I'm so pumped. Alan, I love you. 
Tanya, like, this is amazing. This is the best empower ever. <laughs> we needed to hear this so long ago, but whatever, it's God's timing now is perfect. I just want to personally attest to the yoga thing. I am a born again, spirit filled Christian. And yes, I was, um, I naively practiced yoga because I was just doing the stretching and I absolutely became attacked. I was depressed. I was suicidal and I needed deliverance from um, the works of the devil. Like truly yoga is the devil. Everyone needs to stay away from it. I'm sorry if this offends people, but yoga, yoga, it, it nearly killed me. Like literally nearly killed me. So yes, that's all I have to say. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thank you for the feedback. <laughs> All right, next question. Okay, next question is from Barbara. I just want to ask a question. Can you tell me how the Pope is involved in the New World Order? How the Pope? Yes, correct, yes. In many ways. I can't describe them all. Um, yeah. yeah, he's connected. Now, I, I can't tell you, is he going to be the head of the One World Religion or all that sort of stuff. I, I, I left probably before any of that stuff was decided or how they're doing it. Um, they changed too. Yeah, I thought that this is just a small sampling um, of the some information that you can Google. This is actually from 2016, but there are much more current reports on the Pope and his ties, his comments. Um, I have him literally on video kissing the feet, getting down, he's needing help up of the top most dangerous Islamists um, in, in the world, kissing their feet. Um, the video goes on to show him kissing the rings of the Rockefellers and, and other globalist leaders. He has uh, made a pact with the, uh, I, I can't remember which leader it was of the uh, Islamic uh, world, and it was for the one world religion. It was tying the God of uh, Islam and the so-called Christian God and saying we serve the same God, which just is not true by any means. We serve a very loving God and uh, the, the, the Quran is filled with um, persecution for the unbeliever. And, and so the Pope has, has gotten himself tied up into all of that. And he's been very vocal about it. All right, next question. Next question is from Monica. Wow, oh, it's you. Oh, <laughs> I haven't studied the Hindu religion. I, I studied all of them, but very, um, not really in depth. Is there a timeline for the origin of the Hindu faith? Like, like in their records, is there like- Yeah, there, there is. Hmm? There, there is, there are timelines on, on different um, sacred texts that have been written. Um, and, but even in the text, they'll take it back through legends um, to earlier times than that. So there's, I mean, I'd have, to, I'd have to research that even more before I want to give an answer publicly exactly like that. Okay, do we have just half a moment? I just was able to actually quite quickly Google this. For those of you, um, who are Catholic or asked regarding this, there are actually demonic uh, symbols that the Pope has also uh, set up at the Vatican. And this was a video that was provided where he is with the Rockefellers, Henry K Kissinger and the Rothschilds. 
kissing their rings, very tight connection there. I think if I was the Pope in, in the presence of these individuals, if I was a true person of faith, I, I would not be succumbing to kissing the ring. I'll just kind of skip ahead here. But this went uh, was shared quite broadly, quite widely at the time. So you can Google that information and research it. I encourage you to research it. Uh, many Catholics, uh, you know, who have become aware of this are, are not sure what even to do because they feel like their own faith has been infiltrated, their own religion. All right, next question, please. I can I just add something about another topic? Is that okay? Mm -hmm. I just want to throw this yes. in because a lot of people talk about timelines. And I've had a lot of people come to me and they ask, um, well, the reason what we're doing with yoga and Christian yoga, et cetera, et cetera, is that we're taking it back. We're going to take it because it was stolen by Hindus or it was this. First of all, there's no, there's no record anywhere that talks about Jesus being in, in India. There is a New Age books, but there's not, which came from the globalists, but there's not actually in history books. Um, and if, if we were, if the Hindus had stolen yoga, then it would be in the word of God, Old or New Testament. If it was taken away from us that we had to bring it back, it would be in the word of God because we're told this is, the, this is the works here that we follow. So there's no mention of us having to take yoga back or other Eastern practices back from the Hindus because they stole it. Um, there's nothing that because it, it would be in the Bible. I just wanted to put that about timelines. All right, next question is from Jody. Hi, Alan. I had the pleasure of hearing you on Monday, and um, I, I loved I loved it, and I can't wait to read your book. Um, you. you gave a message of hope for Canada, and I can't remember exactly what it was. Can you remind our audience tonight? Yeah, I now need to remember, because sometimes I get it in the spirit, and I don't, <laughs> I don't remember here when I get it down in here. Um, yeah, I think I know what it was. I mean... The encouragement that I wanted to want people to know all around Canada, that's why I make sure people know I am a full-blooded Canadian, and this is my homeland. In fact, it was prophesied in Denver that I would go back to my homeland, and this was 25 years ago, that I would go back to my homeland right at the time that God would need me there. I just think it's been interesting what God's doing. But I, um, I, the hope is that fact that, number one, I've come across so many people from around the world that are focused on Canada not just because of their convoy, but many other reasons. And they're actually ringing me or contacting me and saying, hey, Alan, what's happening here? What's happening here? Do we do this? Do we do that? And I go, why are you asking me? And they go, because you're in Canada, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, or you're in Alberta or you're this or you're that. And you, you, you have the, you know, you know what's happening because we're following. We want to do the same. We want to step up. We want to rise up. I mean, Australia is a, is a very, very tough nation at the moment the, to even be in. But I want to encourage from that. But also, I'm getting people everywhere saying, we want to come to Canada. We, we don't know why. God's impressed us to come to Canada. I'm coming across so many people that are arriving in Canada that have ministries or have had other reasons for being another part of the world, but they feel that they've been called to come here. Um, even someone who worked for me many years ago, um, she um, felt called from Dubai to actually come here to Canada. She's never been to Canada, never had Canada on the radar, but just knew God wants her to do something. And since she's been here just on a visitor's visa so far, already it's like, wow, she can see what God wants her to do in the future. Um, I'm just seeing more and more and more people that are being called to come to Canada or they want to pray and be concerned. So I'm encouraging you, if that's happening, something else is happening. Like there's a destiny on Canada. Um, that's why I respect Tanya so much. It's not an arguing for a faith. It's that she stands with faith. 
and stands with what she believes. Whether someone likes it or not, it doesn't matter. But this country and many other nations were founded, but this country was founded on the Judeo-Christian beliefs. Um, we have to stay with that. We have to stand mm -hmm. ground with that. This is our nation. So I'm encouraging, if that's what you're talking about, with hope, that if this is happening, there's such a, a measure of hope coming up in the future that we need to stay the course, follow um, whoever we're following, but I follow Jesus and follow the leading of that because there's going to be great turns. I just, I, even though I've been around the globus mm -hmm. and work for them, um, they, they don't, they're not that good. Please hear me. They're not that good at what they do. You think they are, but I still think we, we, we uh, carry the hope to push back for the common people, the ones that they call uh, bottom feeders and just animals that can be tracked. We, we are not that. We are a strong force, and God is uniting a lot of us together for that reason, for hope. Right. And I think um, we can agree, Alan, that especially in the last two years, it has put people in a place where they are now out of their life of apathy, uh, going to work and taking their kids to programs. They're they're having to uh, look at you know what their values, not only just their values, what their priorities in life are. Um, you know, it was about working and getting the boat. Now it's like I can't work. I, I'm not even thinking about getting a boat. I'm thinking about putting food on the table. And and because of the level of suffering that people have had to endure, the, and especially the growing amount of suffering as the government tightens the noose in Canada and and strips us of our rights and our freedoms and causes a great deal of harm, people are looking for something. And and what we're wanting to do tonight is that we believe that hope is found in Christ Jesus. That's because that's what our faith is. We see, and as I, I was exposed to more of the New Age movement in the last, not only in the last few weeks, but I'd, I'd heard about it at rallies. You know, they talk about love and unity, love and unity, but there, but there was nowhere further for them to go just within themselves to have love and unity and all about peace and getting along. We just need to get along. And, and so the thing is, is that with Christianity, we have a hope in Christ Jesus. John 3.16 says in the Bible that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should have everlasting life. And so where does New Age take somebody in the everlasting life? I don't know. But I just know that if I feel strongly that there is a hope that there is an everlasting life, if we receive Jesus into our hearts, I would want to tell people about that. And I want to give them the opportunity to decide for themselves whether or not that is right. And so one thing I want to do is if those there are those of you who have joined us tonight who have been feeling something inside of you in the last weeks, months, it could be within starting two years ago, you, you may have felt something moving. And that could be the Holy Spirit of God pressing in in your life. And you may want to pray with somebody. So I'm just going to provide a link right now. And Action for Canada does have a, a prayer support team. If you want to email us and you want to connect with somebody, we will reach out to you. And we just want to give you that opportunity. Um, Ellen, it's coming up to the, the we've almost been, been here. Well, we've been here for two hours, including the orientation. We're just so grateful to you for coming on. We're so grateful that you have come and shared some very personal things about your own life journey. 20 years immersed in this and you feel that 
when Jesus touched your life, you were finally on the right path. You had really, truly hope and then salvation as well. So thank you for being bold and courageous in joining us tonight and coming. Is there any final words that you would like to, to leave our, our, our members with, any a prayer, anything that you would like to do right now? I'd like to you just to be led by the Spirit. Oh, well, first of all, thank you for listening to me, those that have. Uh, I'm going to look at all the comments later. So if you've asked me questions there or, or comments or even some of the tough questions, I'll answer them all. And, um, and as you know, I'm bold enough that I've put out my email address. It goes directly <laughs> to me because I do. I answer every email because I want to be able to answer the way that I can answer, not some assistant doing that. Um, but just exactly what um, Tanya was saying, and I said this earlier, I, I encourage you to, you've got nothing to lose by asking Jesus to come into your heart. And to start to show you who he is, what he's like, how powerful he is. I mean, when I did that, it convinced me, someone that was against Jesus and attacking him and thinking he was totally wrong and Christians were wrong, to actually change my whole lifestyle. And, um, and, and it's been a blessing my whole life. And so I'd like to just pray that everything that I've said and everything that we've done comes across in such a way that um, you will look at it or process it or at least be more open in some way. Um, and as I said in the beginning of the, of the show, I'm not here to judge. I don't. I have no choice in your life or anything. But at least we thank you for listening to me, and especially mm -hmm. if you disagree with me uh, or don't like me. Thank you for that. You did that, and you honored me by doing that in that way. So let me just say a prayer for you. Thank you, Father. We honor you, Jesus, for who you are and for bringing us together in this divine time. Father, I want to pray and lift up everyone who is listening tonight. Even if they've signed off the show, I'm still praying for them, Father, that there be a clarity and that there be a, an awareness on them uh, as they process this. Father, I, even though they haven't asked yet, I'm going to ask that you get around them. You get on their life. You start miraculously showing them. Give them encounters like you did with me. I didn't even ask to see you in, um, in an open vision, but you came to me. So I, I, I pray, Father, that you touch the hearts of these people. Father, I know that every heart that's put on tonight is an eager heart, is a loving heart, and has total intention of fighting against tyranny and against evil. And so bless them, Father. Bless them with favor. Bless them with everything that you can, because that's where their heart is. And Father, anything that you feel that they need to be touched with, make sure they're touched. So I pray a blessing and abundance over their lives and whatever they're doing work-wise. Just bless them, Father. And I say all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Amen. Alan, my friend, thank you so much. And, and again, I just am so amazed at your testimony and your journey from coming what was in your life darkness to new light. And I do pray that over everybody that's attended, even those who, you know, have had some harsher or negative comments. We, 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 we love you. <laughs> and we're so glad that you attended, that you took the time to listen to what Alan has to say. Mm -hmm. And, and we're okay if we don't have a meeting of the minds, but we're going to pray anyways. <laughs> All right. So sorry, my little pup jumped on my lap there as we were saying grace. All right, Alan, thank you so much. We look forward to being in contact with you and to everyone again, like I said we're gonna we're gonna touch on these tough subjects we're gonna have conversation and we hope that we can do that and we hope that you won't censor 
us and that you'll come with an open mind. I think it's so important. We've had so much censorship, you know, from the Canadian government because they don't want us to be able to talk and hear about what's going on in each other's minds, right? What's your opinion? I want to hear your opinion. I want to hear what you have to say. And we were free to do that tonight. And we respect that. And we respect you. So God bless you. And God bless Canada.